0: Blake, when was the last time I forced you to clean the church gear floors with a toothbrush? People might think you're kidding, but this is really not that far off from recent events. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast,
1: where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who recently earned his man card from our manliest employee using a floor grinder, and I'm here with my boss who would never scrape the floors as he has people for that, Toby Walters. Are you saying that you didn't have a man card before this? Let's just say that when I was, like sparks were flying, when I was grinding the podcast floor with this machine, Chris came in who packs all of our stuff and builds all our custom boxes for freights. He goes, all right, it's kind of manly. And that was like the greatest compliment I'll ever get from him. And it was great. I I felt good.
0: Yet you then messaged Sarah and I saying, I can't do this. It's too hard. There's too much dust in my lungs.
1: Literally, Chris then came back to check on me and was like, there's so much dust in the air. I was trying to see if you were still alive. Like I, I was dying. It was awful.
0: Would Chris give you like do CPR on you if you dropped? Do you think? Does he love you that much? Uh, it's, it wouldn't be motivated by love. If he did that, there would be like a cash payout that would have to yeah. happen, which would be worth it to save he'd, my life. He'd probably be like, I don't want to deal with a body around here because he's the one who'd have to, cause he does all the manly stuff. That's true. He would have to dispose of me. <clears throat> so, uh, speaking of cleaning the floor with a toothbrush, um, I was actually forced to do that one time at an old job. Uh, I worked for a two or three different like small instruments Installation, integrator companies, uh, back where I grew up. And uh, this one, it was actually my uncle's company, <laughs> but my uncle owned the company, so he wasn't my direct boss. I was several layers. I was kind of like the the lackey in the um, in the tech shop. So I, I learned all sorts of things, but being 19 years old at the time, I also did apparently bonehead things. It seems like when you work for family, you're either elevated to the top immediately or pushed in the
1: bottom forever. It sounds like you got the bottom end of that yes. deal.
0: So one time I I made a mistake, apparently, and my punishment was to clean the floor in the tech shop with a toothbrush. What was your mistake? Uh, It was one of the project managers said, please deliver this sound system out to this school. And when I came back, the tech shop director said, "Uh, you should have known that wasn't complete yet, that that wasn't ready. And so clean the floors with the toothbrush. So essentially, I had Two separate bosses who told me two separate things, and I got in trouble because they did not align.
1: I think this is very common. Uh, whenever I taught Taekwondo at 15, I had two different bosses that would tell me two different things, and it really scarred me. So now I strive to only have one boss. Who's that? Well, I mean, it's Toby Walters. Obviously. That's, I literally introduce you every single time as my boss. <laughs> I forget.
0: I forget. You can tell me more. Okay. Okay, so um, I I just remember I had so many – I don't. I wouldn't call them funny. Like they were like. Funny oh, now. I'm lucky I survived, or you know things survived working for installation companies and integrators. So I just thought of three quick moments. Uh, one time we were pulling snake um, cable through conduit, and it was like a 200 foot run that we're trying to pull this 24 channel snake cable through conduit. And Blake, if you've seen snakes around here, like they are very thick. Like the the more channels you get, the thicker the cable gets. And so to try and pull it 200 feet with like curves in the conduit. So (laughs) we had to go to the store and buy a big thing of Dawn dish soap. And we're just squeezing that dish soap down into the conduit as the snake goes to like to lubricate it, to go through the conduit.
1: All the things I didn't say. (laughs) <laughs> there's i'm just keep going i'm not gonna fight this so
0: we got it through it was awesome um but you cannot believe the amount of dish soap that is now like forever in that conduit so it's a very clean conduit i was gonna it say was, maybe it smells nice yeah um there was another moment where um we had fabricated this rack it was actually like a security system for a hospital and it was six feet tall and i guarantee you all this gear was probably 150 thousand dollars so it needed to be delivered to a hospital where it was getting installed in their security room. And um, our company put it in the back of a, just a pickup truck standing up like six feet tall. Rack. Oh no, this is going to fall over. And so I said to, and I, I'm 19 years old at this point, And they said, Toby, we want you to drive this down to the hospital. I was like, okay. And I look at the thing and I'm like, are you going to strap it down? Like even at 19, I knew like, shouldn't that be strapped down? And they're like, no, it'll be fine. Just. Take it easy. Is this where you
1: picked up the company phrase, it'll be fine?
0: I guess. So I'm like, there's one of these freeway interchanges where you go up and over the freeway and you like turn to the left and you go over this huge bridge. And the whole time I'm looking at this thing and it's it's steady. And I'm just like, you know, praying. Dear Lord, please let this thing stay in the truck. If this breaks, it is not your fault. You notice the problem. You put it in. Like, this is stupid. And I'm I'm like practically a kid at that point. So everything's fine. It's about 30 miles. And I get to the hospital and I pull into the driveway where the curb is. And you know when you pull into a driveway, usually your car bounces a little bit because it's an uneven surface. And so I pull into the driveway and I literally look in the rearview mirror and I see the rack teeter- back and forth, and stay upright. <laughs> and I made it. The Lord blessed you. So again, this was my uncle's company. And so it was just a few years ago, I told him this story, and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, they didn't strap the thing down? Well, fire some people. I can't imagine any of our guys at Church Gear like doing something like that without strapping it down. I feel like even I
1: would have strapped it down. Not because I'm so knowledgeable, because I'm so paranoid. Like yeah. that is
0: insane. That's just common sense. So uh, th- there was one other, I was working for like a, a local sound installation company and we did a lot of uh, churches and schools. And one of the things we do is we would take a lift into uh, gymnasiums. And if you know, uh, Blake, like we're recording in a room with sound treatment right now because there's, you know, echo and, uh, you know, reverberation uh, against the walls. Yeah, we got those wall pillows. That's right. That's what you call sound panels, wall yep. pillows. Good job. So in gymnasiums, obviously, there are a lot of hard surfaces. So... Schools and occasionally churches would hire us to come in and go up on a lift and hang. Uh, these were more like padded blankets, but they were really thick. And we'd hang them from the roof. And you're like 40 feet in the air. And the, the lift only goes 30 feet in the air. Are you so, going to put a
1: ladder on this lift?
0: Yes. <laughs> no. This is... We would put a ladder, like a 12-foot ladder on the lift, on the lift and then take the lift as high as we could, and then I or my boss would climb up the ladder, and I swear to you, these lifts sway, and they're meant to sway, but they'll sway a good, like, three feet either direction, and when you are up on a ladder 40 feet in the air, like, that is horrifying. And my boss, of course, was like, it'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely starting to understand where the it'll be fine came from.
0: And there was one of these moments, one of these lifts, and it was a small lift. It was a genie, like a smaller one. Um, They're actually portable. Like you can, you know, push them around and then a couple guys can like stand it up into place so it can go up. And there was this moment it was stood up and my boss said like, okay, we got to, you know, it's getting near the end of the day. We got to tear down. So I go and I, I think to myself, well, I think I can lower this lift myself. And so I kind of brace myself and I get my hands on the lift and I start to lower it down. And I mean, it weighed several hundred pounds. Like I don't even know. And it was kind of like, you know, if you get it at the right angle, it's fine. It will lower. But I was not at the right angle. And this thing started to come down on me. And I swear to you, if I hadn't jumped out of the way at that very second, it would have broke my back. So I had one of those moments of like, never do that again. Thank you that I survived. But I'm just like, man, these guys that work for integrators, like, this is legit. And this is why Toby was like, I have people
1: now to do this hard yeah, work because yeah. I can't. You grind the floors, Blake. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people that do uh, or someone that does a lot of things that uh, no one else is capable of, introducing the co-lead location pastor at each East Lake Church, Andy Call. I can't believe I said East wrong, man. That sucks. Okay. Andy, <laughs>
2: nice to have you in, man. It's all good. Thanks for letting me join in. That was fun to listen to some very interesting stories. That I feel like I share a lot of those same experiences. So,
0: so uh, Andy, um, the the final story of the lift where I almost broke my back, um, yeah. that was at East Lake Church.
2: What? No, come
0: on. hundred percent true. I worked. I grew up in San Diego, and I worked for a small Holy. installation yeah. company. And there was just some random project we ended up
2: doing at East Lake Church. Man, and I almost died at East Lake Church. Well, then we've both almost died at East Lake Church. Yes, so we can share this. And this, <laughs> this was uh,
0: 2002, 2003. So I guess before your time. So I yep. can't, I yep. can't blame
2: you. I guess. No, that was that one's not on me, fortunately. But that's uh, I won't let too many people in HR know that we're talking <laughs> about this right now.
0: Yeah. yeah, I was really proud of this moment, Blake. It was one of these like aha, no, this gotcha is, moments. This is
1: perfect. I know. <laughs> We always try to tie the intro story into the guest in some way, and a lot of times it's just a little bit that was dead on, almost as dead on as Toby would have been if that thing hit him. All right, so let's do these five truths and a lie. Now, he only gave us five. He and didn't give know, us a lie. Counting's hard. Well, what if what if his lie, or what if he didn't give a lie? What if it's just five truths? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, there's a lie in here. Okay.
1: <clears throat> All right. Number one, started touring as production manager at age 22. All right. See, I can't tell how old he is. I would believe that he is twenty-eight, all the way to forty, like any of those ages. I, I would I'm believe. not sure
0: how he would take that. I mean, well, he kind of has you know, a baby face, but also he has like a beard. So, well, it's called a forever face. Like he looks like that's mm. a good, that's
1: a good range to like be like
0: Leonardo in. DiCaprio.
1: Mm. Number two, <laughs> first job in production was creating stage designs for a three thousand five hundred member church.
0: I was wondering which way you're going to go on that. Most people would say 3500 member church, but I like how you went 3500. Yeah. <laughs> interesting you. interesting subject, Blake. Well, interesting
1: and odd, remember? So. That's right. All right, number 3. Have helped design/launch slash 15 churches in the US and international. That's a uh, lot.
0: Yeah, and uh myself having helped launch one church, I'm like I can't imagine doing that 15 times. So <laughs> So he's probably
1: he's probably like 24, and it's aged him <laughs> to be in the range of 28 to 40. All right, number four. Biggest A1 gig was a 12-city arena tour. That's pretty legit. All right. I do not like this. This is going to be the hardest one we've ever done because okay. all of these are number-based. Oh, it, yeah. It could be 23, or it could be a 3,501-member church mm-hmm. or 16 churches. All right. Finally, have worked with Shane and Shane, Phil Wickham, Lecrae, Carrie Job, um, okay, yeah, John Mark McMillan, and others throughout the years. Now, see, he could just put another. Per- this is the hardest one.
0: Yeah. I've, I've, we've had. I don't think it's the last one. I think it's one of the first four. I think he's straight up just
1: changing a number. I'm gonna say the. I'm gonna say it's the 15 churches. I I bet it's like 12 or 14 or something.
0: I'm gonna say it's the first one that he started as a production manager at age 22 because we've had other guys like starting at 16 on the road and 18. so I'm wondering if he's gonna you know switch a roo again mm-hmm. saying it was actually uh, I was 17. all right we're locking
1: in he's got the when you started and I've got the amount of churches you've launched which is the what's the lie
2: well you guys, it's fun to hear you evaluate which one I'm lying about. This is a fun experience. It actually is number three. Uh, what? The Fifteen churches is incorrect. It's about uh, a little over fifty now. What? Yeah, helping a lot of churches to to launch and begin. Not just at East Lake, but uh, fortunate to help a lot of churches get off the ground. We sh-
1: see that's so obvious. There's so many campuses there. If he's counting like the sub campuses then he's already close well, to 15.
2: It's, it's not like,
0: oh, and maybe he'll correct me, but I don't think Eastlake has 50 campuses. I think he's helping launch other churches as well. But I know Eastlake does have campuses. Yep. Wow, that is that is impressive. Um,
1: I mean, how, uh, gracious, that's that's a lot. Um, what do we want to talk about first here, Toby? On well, this? let's
0: talk about these uh, church campuses that you're launching. What uh, Like, are you working with an organization or is
2: this through Eastlake? Yeah, great question. I mean, when I first came to Eastlake, there was two locations and we've been up to 10. So there's uh, a good handful there. But uh, thankfully, I'm at a church that really believes in multiplication. So we help <clears throat> a lot of other churches, denominations to help launch them um, with if that's going to be helping them to design a space to know how to maybe put together their plan and walk them through launch. That's something that I do through the church, uh, but I also do it on my own um i have a a really fun company that helps churches launch and design and uh with a lot of fun steps along the way but i've been fortunate that i've got to know some great people from a lot of different places and i can lend a hand anytime that's possible
1: Man, that's amazing um tell us about working with phil wickham and lecrae i mean lecrae is like in college that was the thing for me it was like oh my gosh this guy's amazing
2: yeah that was pretty fun i mean i to get into some of the story, I started at a church doing stage designs. That's real. Um, that was the first job in production, and it was a great time. And then Shane and Shane actually were on staff there for a number of years at that church. It was in Texas. And one day they they were just asking, hey, would you ever want to go on the road? We would, we'd love to have your help. And so I was single, like, let's try something. So I went out with them um started production managing and worked my way up through all the different responsibilities that you would do and then realized on the road how small of a world that really is there's uh, a few people that are really helping a lot of artists not just from management standpoint but from production from touring from everything it's a it's a small family if you really get into it so then i was able to meet Some really great people Um, met Phil pretty quickly along the way. They were really close, helped him with some one-offs and was involved a little bit. Um, Got to know Lecrae and the 116 crew uh, out of Atlanta really well and helped them um, for a season. It was, uh, it was really fun. Honestly, the touring stage in the production management stage is really how I developed a lot of skills, and God helped me to grow a lot in that area. Um, it was a great training ground. I mean, a lot of great people had a ton of fun, but going into different environments and different rooms for any number size of crowd or attenders is something that will help you dramatically improve your skills pretty quickly because it's a lot of curveballs. And do you have a favorite tour of all time that you were on during Ooh, that time? Good question. <clears throat> yeah, I mean. Honestly, the biggest ones were really fun, but I forgot most of them. Unless something terrible happened, I just forget (laughs) a lot of the shows. It's usually something that really went wrong or really, really went great. I would say my favorite tour was probably the first one I ever went on. Um, And that's where John Mark McMillan, that name was in there. And it was just a fun time because I knew nothing and I was learning every day. I mean, the first stop we had on tour... For anyone that's experienced this, I can sympathize. I was trying to put some trussing together, and I was used to only trust that would bolt together. I never had used the pins yet. And so I put this truss together, and I'm using the hammer to hit the pins in, but no one told me that they're supposed to go in a certain direction. So I'm just pounding away pushing the pin through the truss, and it's stuck like that for the rest of like the 30-day tour. It's <laughs> on top of the trailer behind the bus, like a 30-foot section of truss that we just can't pull apart now. So um, probably for all the memories of that and all the mistakes that I made, but honestly, the just a different world of getting out there and trying to help people worship and have a good time. But on a tour aspect, that was pretty fun. That was a a different season of life that I'm always going to be grateful for.
0: I'm just imagining Blake doing the same thing. Yep, I was going to go right there. Chris or Frank coming along and being like, dude, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, nobody told me. I don't, just don't keep hammering this thing. So,
1: Andy, <laughs> we had to, if you ever come uh, come to Nashville, show you our warehouse. Uh, we've recently moved, and now we've got tons more uh, rack space. Well, I was putting in the zip ties to tie the carpet down to the base like rack so that the gear would go on smoothly. Well, I get just an entire rack done like this this has got to be i don't know 50 zip ties that have gone through carpet through like metal i mean it's not fun um and one of our guys comes in and goes blake you uh did that backwards so now every time the gear is gonna just rake over the top of that zip tie you're supposed to do it the upside down so zip ties on the bottom and I just kind of gave that face like, do I have to redo this? And he was like, I mean, you should. And so that was not fun. <laughs> no. So I understand no, your there, pain.
2: There was a lot of experiences like that. Uh where it was just a, a a really big learning season and hitting my head against the wall. But for me, it was the best way to learn so many things. Uh just a crash course and how to do it. I was I was really fortunate that they they asked me to go.
1: Definitely seems like uh in a lot of industries there's a cutting your teeth phase and touring definitely seems to be the the way to cut your teeth fast in production i
2: I don't know that i'd recommend it for everyone i i did it i i I love that part of it but man being gone at that season of life i was on the road probably 300 days a year it was uh it was a different time. I didn't have a, a wife and kids like I do now. So the, some people can do it, but man, I couldn't do it anymore. I, it was for a season. It definitely was growth, but I'm glad it's not my life and right when now. When did that season end? You said 22 is when it started. So when would you come off? I was out for about four years full time. Yep. Just going. And then when I knew I was going to ask my wife to marry me, it was a, a very easy decision. I'm going to try to find a job that I can be home more.
0: Um, so talk to us about Eastlake. Now you've been there, what, 10 or 11 years? And, yeah, 11 uh, years And as I mentioned, I did a project there one time when I was working and almost died. Is Dive. that how you call it, Toby? Did a project? <laughs> and then, um, I, uh, I told you this before we started recording, but our operations director here, Frank, used to go to Eastlake for years. That was his family's home church. Um, so tell us about Eastlake, like what's your team like what's your uh, production culture and you know where like how far have you come as a church body
2: as far as production over the last 10 or 11 years yeah absolutely i mean um like i mentioned when i got there there was two locations and and i when i was brought in it was really to help launch more churches it was from some of that touring background they were at a time where they were Either launching new locations or merging and redesigning spaces. And so some of those skills really lent itself to it. Um, but when I got there, you know eleven years ago, it was it was different. And uh, they had a great auditorium at our main location. We don't call it the main location, but everybody knows it's the main location. So they had some great stuff. Um but throughout the years, the culture has shifted into how can we use technology? i don't I don't want to avoid things. I don't want to say that we shouldn't try to make things better, um, but how do we really get to that place where we're supporting what's happening in the room or online, and how do we do this effectively? I'm, uh, I am I would say one of the biggest areas of growth for us is realizing that we were streaming and doing live stream, you know, fortunately, a long time ago, and so COVID was not that big of a hiccup. We already had a great presence there, but it's how do we really use that? Uh, to reach people. Our church is really big on making it comfortable for people that don't have a relationship. So um, how do we make sure that the lights are going to support that? How do you make sure that the sound is going to actually be louder than you'd think, and it's going to force you to pay attention? So um, we can get into specific you know, types of gear. We use a lot of LED walls now, um, a lot of great stuff, very fortunate, but it's always around the idea of how can we help people to engage? How can we maybe force their attention uh, all the time? And uh, talk to us
0: about your team, like how many staff members are there versus how many volunteers, and what's the what's the buildup yeah. like?
2: So for production, um, it always kind of fluctuates, and I think everybody's been experiencing some of that up and down. I would say when I first started, there was probably three full time, probably staff uh, in the production world. That would be filmmakers, some part time audio guys. Uh, we're probably up to about twelve now. That would be a combination of full time, part time. Um, but on the weekend, we are really a church that believes in volunteers and making things that they can operate and training them. So we have about 16 positions uh, at the church that I'm at that it would be for production from lights, to cameras, live stream, broadcast, audio, all those things. And usually on a weekend, uh, two of that 14 are paid. Usually 12 of the 14 are all volunteer. So we spend a lot of time recruiting and training and uh, equipping some people to join us in the ministry. We do not hire for every position. And
0: if Blake came up to you on a Sunday morning and said, hey, I want to get involved. And if if you don't know Blake, he knows nothing about production. So where, where does the entry level start? Where do you uh, have people sort of
2: like sit in to just get their feet wet? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would do is ask to see his man card, but he recently <laughs> received it. So that's fine. <laughs> Uh, that would work well. He would be in after that. I guarantee (laughs) you he's going to lose it by the end of the day. It's just going to happen.
0: No,
1: I'm holding on to it. You don't understand. Chris is like the manliest guy in my age bracket. So to get it from him is an accomplishment.
2: Honestly, um, if we had that conversation, first of all, it would be one of my favorite things because there would be no bad habits built in. There would be someone that would just be open to learn and open to... To letting us teach now i don't know him that well but if he has zero experience i would love it because we can help him to know what to do right so away. you almost but,
1: enjoy someone who doesn't know anything like you'd rather get a tabula rasa, blank slate and, and go from yeah. there i love
2: how we assume
0: that blake has no bad habits well no bad
1: <laughs> tech habits i got some bad personal <laughs> habits but i mean we can work on all of these it's okay i but, think i'm moving to east lake <laughs> andy is gonna fix me
2: Listen, if you want to live in Southern California, we will welcome you here. It is beautiful.
1: That would be the inverse because Tennesseans, you know, we take Californians. We don't give Tennesseans. Our whole company is made up of people who have, who have moved.
2: Yeah. Hey, my wife is actually in Tennessee right now oh. on a little getaway trip with some friends. She called me last night, and they were in Franklin a little bit, and then they were downtown and hanging out, having a good time.
0: Well, we didn't tell you that she's actually a surprise uh, host on this episode, so yes. she's got some things. She, <laughs> yes. a, a quick timeout, uh, I have to confess, my wife texted me on my drive-in this morning to To record the podcast, and she said, uh, "Did you remember that it's our anniversary today?" And I was like, <gasps> uh "Oh, how dare you!" So uh, luckily, both of us forgot, and we, you know, deeply love each other, so we both forgave each other. But 19 years, happy anniversary, that's Shell.
1: impressive. Happy yeah. Well, you know what's also hilarious about that? I didn't forget my anniversary, and literally also today, as I was walking into the podcast, ordered a little book. That I can like write my wife some love notes in and give to her, so uh, that's pretty great. But I actually we both did forget last year. Uh, yeah, our Allison Small Group co-leader messaged her and goes, "Your anniversary is tomorrow. Congrats!" And we were like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's
2: derailed a great deal. Um, that's okay. Back to the to the question: If we were going to have you join the team, if you wanted to get involved, we we do have an entry point for everybody, and that would be a couple of things. First of all, lighting for us is really, you're listening to your producer, they tell you when to press the button, you press play, it feels like you're doing all these things, but you're just pressing a button. As soon as the producer says go, that's a natural fit. It makes you feel like you're really engaged. Um, you're you're pressing play on someone else's work, but it looks huge and it feels awesome. So lighting is an easy one. For us, confidence monitor um, is separate than what we do on the iMag and for ProPresenter and all that. So confidence monitor, following lyrics for worship leaders, uh, again, can be taught so quickly, and you are just engaged. So, those two places are fairly easy, or you know, it sounds simple, but doing a transition on stage, a moving a table, or being available to do something on stage is something that we'll do all the time for people.
1: What percentage of your volunteers would you say have started at zero and now they're just like amazing, full trust, don't even have to worry about it?
2: Yeah. I'm- I would say at least half, if not more. Um, we're pretty open. If you if you don't know anything, we've designed things that it's easy to pick up. And we put a lot of time in how do we make it simple and uh, reproducible for volunteers at every location. I mentioned we have 10, and they're all different sizes. So if we don't do good at having systems, we're not going to succeed. I love that. It's we hear you know of the
1: burnout that's rampant through the tech community, and it feels like one of the easiest ways to fight burnout is um, to have enough volunteers, not try to do it all yourself. Believe in the body of Christ, um, and it seems like the church techs that are the happiest have this kind of ratio, like two out of it said you said fourteen. That seems pretty pretty consistent. Um, yeah. You know, you've been another you know uh, unique thing about you is you've been at the church for a long time. Um, I joke that five years at this point in any job is like, you know, what, 30, my dad retired at 38 years at a company, like five years is the new 38. Well, 10 years, you're at 11 years in tech. That's a while. Um, so when you've got, like, t- just talk to us about the the calling and rewards since you've been there 10 plus years uh, of investment, planting in the local church. Like, do you feel really called to to production? Like, how, how have you stayed
2: in the game as long as you have? That's a good question. I think I think doing any job for that long is probably going to be a challenge. Um, I think especially for the generation that I'm in and people even younger, that's a really big challenge uh, to be committed, to stay through something, through things that are maybe not the easiest. No church is perfect. We are far from it. But I would say something for me is that you mentioned calling. If you are working, I think, any job ministry or or anything else, if you don't have a calling or you don't feel that God has led you to that, it's way too easy to fall away. It's way too easy to get frustrated and then to bail and COVID happens and I want to be done. And I think that calling really, to me, pushes back on, am I continually saying, God, what what are you asking of me? And what do you want me to continue doing? And so being in a right step with him is very important. But then on the practical side, I think for me, I've just gotten to a place that i love technology i enjoy that but i don't spend as much time in the gear anymore i i think i know it i think i I can i can try to help with some of those things but it's more about how do we get the team together full of volunteers and staff and how do we make it feel like there's a community of people that love each other that care for each other those things are going to be rewarding you know seeing the services impact people is going to be some of the fruit of, of what I get to be a part of. And if I put it in the technology, it's going to change too quickly. But if I can put some of that into people and life change, um, that's pretty easy to hold on to for a long time. Okay. Staying on this subject, um, Almost every church we
0: go and like spend time with in person now, they're a multi-site church. They've got production teams at different campuses every single weekend. Uh, how do you or any advice you give on just building unity uh, on those teams that are in different campuses?
2: Yeah, good question. I think <clears throat> some of it starts with really good systems of communication so everyone is aware of, of what's happening. They can feel like they're in the know. Uh, if it gets to a place where it feels like one person or, or one location makes every decision, I think that that can really be detrimental. And that can be very hard to overcome for people that feel like they're not just away physically, but they're so far removed from the process. So that it's finding the appropriate way to bring people together for consistent communication and meetings and planning and all those things. Number two, I think that software, at least for the production team, is a big deal. What software are you using to be sharing the ideas, to be going back and forth so much further than just ProPresenter? What's the rundown of the cue sheet? But what software are you using that people can be aware of what's happening and making those changes um, together? And the third thing is just going to be investing relationally. It takes time. It's not the easiest. It actually costs your church money. But if you're investing relationally with people, uh, there tends to be a a better camaraderie than just trying to hire really smart people and let them do their own thing. Um, I would rather take someone who is kind and humble and wants to serve and is not the smartest person than hiring someone who's going to be really hard to manage. I'm going to have to have a lot of hard conversations with so uh do you
0: prefer to have volunteers or even staff like stay at their own campus or do you like to kind of like rotate people between campuses to get different viewpoints
2: Yeah great uh depends some at least for East Lake you know we do have a couple locations across the border in Mexico we've got some up in LA so it's it's a little bit more of a challenge maybe distance wise for some people um I would say as they're coming on board we will bring people in and say, hey, join us for rehearsals. Join us as we do these things. And I want you to see some of this in motion. But then because of the physical distance, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, that's why I think that consistent communication and and talking to people, um, even, you know, via Zoom is going to be so much better than just firing off an email. Hey, here's what you need to do this week. Yeah. It does seem like when we've talked, <clears throat> when we continuously talk to
1: tech directors, they say all the time, like over communicate, over communicate, like, that is what
0: uh, greases the wheels of human, you know, interaction or relationship. Okay, Andy. So I actually helped launch a church plant in San Diego, about twenty minutes north in the Miramar area, and so I have one experience of helping launch a church. As far as uh, you know, specifically talking production setup and whatnot. Uh, what for you, having you know, helped? 50 plus churches what kind of goes into your thought process when thinking about production for a new campus launch or a new church launch and uh what have you learned over the years that you wish
2: you could go back to the beginning and do that all over again i think the place i always try to start now to go back a little bit when i was young my dad was a pastor um you know so i was around ministry from a young age and i i saw ministry you know from that perspective some great, some bad, and everything in the middle. And so what I try to do probably through some through learning and some doing this over and over is I will always start meeting with the lead pastor and talking about what do you want your experience to be? We got to We got to get to your priority list without just saying, do you want to make audio the most important or not? We have to help and get to a place of what is your vision? Every lead pastor sees what they want it to look like and feel like, and they put it in their own words. but it's really distilling what's that priority list? And then from there, budget is usually the second or third conversation. I don't want to lead with that. That's never that's never the most fun. It's very rare that they have every every dollar they would love to have to do everything right away. That's fine. but it's it's trying to line up priority list with what their vision is. And then begin throwing into it, well, here's some ways you can achieve that. But also something that I've learned um, maybe in the last few years, three to five years, is I didn't put enough value or emphasis on what live stream should be and what the impact of that is going to mean for your church. And I am here today. I'll probably get on a soapbox that I think your live stream, your YouTube channel is more important than your website. It's the biggest front door you have to your church. People, I believe, will go and search you and watch it online many times before they're actually going to step foot in your church building, if they're 35 or under. And they're going to try to see what your culture's like and see what it looks like and what it sounds like. And so uh, it's almost unfair because as they're scrolling, they're going you're going to be compared to businesses and companies that spend so much money on production online. You can never win that battle but you can make decisions that will quickly put you in a category that make you look old or dated and people will keep swiping and so lately a huge emphasis has been how can you at least make sure your church social media and live stream looks and sounds really good and it takes more dollars it takes intentionality but i think at times especially if you're launching That's one of the most important things you have to do right now is make sure that you're successful at that, which five years ago, I don't think you had to be as successful, but that's been forced and changed now. So start with vision, talk about budget, but then really reinforce what I think is your biggest front door marketing piece. It's not a mailer. It's your live stream.
0: Yeah, I was talking to... um... he's kind of like a head of one of the major church planning networks in America. And he said, every single church they launch now, it's both online and streaming or uh, in-person and online. Like there's, they don't even let churches decide not to launch online as well. Cause like you said, Andy, that's how people are going to check them
2: out. Every time. Yeah. That's to me, it's, it's the most important first step. Uh, I mean, and that to be real clear, that doesn't mean you have to have a permanent space And have all the things to make a live stream successful. You can build an audience even if you're delivering the message from your home, on your phone. And There's so many ways to go about it. It doesn't have to be what you see at the biggest churches in America. You can maybe get there, but it's about how are you connecting with your audience and building the the base in your culture online, uh, which can be achieved in a number of ways. But. Uh, I try to not start with budget. That's always – we'll get there, but if we start there, it just makes it really hard to push people either way.
1: Well, speaking of budget and getting there, um, how do you – when you get to that, like how do you talk about – financing it i mean with the amount of campuses that you have we'd have to imagine you found creative ways to stretch your budget so how have you done that for launches like specifically especially with like production gear and is it awkward when they look at the budget line items and your consultation fee is more than all the other lines combined
2: that's true Uh, i think there's a couple of ways to get there i would say um consultation fee and all that. We could have a whole podcast about that and what I think you should charge or not charge. But at the end of the day, if I'm not helping you to make good decisions and use your budget wisely, then don't don't let me help you. Uh, my main thing is to help you use your resources and to steward well. But in terms of Eastlake or beyond, I think something that is difficult for me over the past 10 years has been our our churches are at different stages. Some of them are still set up down. some of them are in permanent location. And There's such a wide range of what you can do in any given space that trying to compare them just when you walk in the door is very unfair. And so it's usually fighting the, hey, we actually started by coming to your main location and look how awesome this is. Yeah, but it's 26 years in the making. That was not day one and trying to help people to know where they're going to be starting. And so usually I try to turn it into a really big positive of let's evaluate your space and what you're working with, or what your parameters are of setup, teardown, whatever those things are, and again, if we get back to your values and what you want it to be, then we can really start to define. Well, I think in this situation, audio is going to be the most important. So we have this amount of dollars. We're going to have to associate or or earmark this percentage to make sure audio is really good. And you're going to require this or that, and all these things. And so it starts to build itself. But in terms of trying to cost save, I would say don't think of it in terms of we have to have that brand. There are times that you need that brand and that's going to be helpful, but there are other times there are so many people that are making these different kinds of gear that you should be open to letting someone present three, four options. Hey, I need cameras for my live stream. Okay, well, here's here's a wide range Good, better, best of what you can get. What can we afford here for audio? Uh, we just put in a new K3 system at our main location. I love it. It sounds wonderful, but is that going to go in everywhere? No way. It's just cost prohibitive, but is there other things you can do? So I try to really not be tied to specific brands. There's different margins on different brands. Everybody can think about that, but it's for application. What you should get someone that's going to help you bring variety Into what you can afford. And also someone that's going to have those real conversations of you probably can't afford that right now. Let's not try to put it all in. Let's do this and let's get there later. And I love the idea of trying to think of things in stages.
0: So we talked to a church recently and they said, hey, we need some speakers um, just to like get started with. And so we picked something that we told them, you know. You, you can use these for a few years. These will be great for where you're at right now. But then when you grow and you need the next thing, these would be great for, like, a portable system or a youth system. It's not something that's going to go to waste. So to kind of think of that, that way in stages, like this is stage one, but it's not a waste. Like it can be moved or repurposed over here when you go to stage two.
2: Yeah, it's really unfortunate when sometimes you're in a situation that you feel like you need to make a spin. That's only going to be for a short season. I try to avoid that at all costs. If it's going to be so specific, I need that one thing, but then in a year, it's going to be obsolete. Like, man, that that's not worth it. Uh, what you're talking about is very true and and, and trying to think through not just phases, but growth of the church. Uh, What things can you invest in that are going to be modular? What can you invest in in terms of lighting? Uh, Using a software that if you continue to grow, you continue to add universes and add a license and make sure it's easy to use later. There's a lot of ways to do it. And honestly, for some of the small stuff, it's cheaper now sometimes to buy things on Amazon than it is to go through an integrator. And so knowing when you can say, hey, there's actually a list of these things, you should just go buy them. I'm going to have to mark it up. Just go get them. They're going to be cheaper. Let let me just have an honest, this is going to be better for you. Now, these things, let me help you find someone that can do it or buy it. So yeah, um, long shelf life stuff is really, really helpful uh, and usually easier to talk about when it comes to budget. Yeah. And
1: does talking about those phases, does that help normalize um, or does that help get to a vision eventually, but then give some like. You know, contentment for where you got to realistically be now. Like, is that a big part of all your conversations is really saying, here's the phases and we'll get there?
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone's in a phase. You know, there's no church that's reached their destination. They're done. They're always going to be changing and evolving. That's fine. But helping people to just have that realistic conversation of, I know where you want to get, and let's map out how you're going to get there and that might take a few months it might take a few years might take a few decades but um then you get to a point where it's really not about can we pull off services it's about what's going to help to really help us reach our vision of how we want to be in services or how we want to do these things differently so yeah the the idea of stages or phases usually helps your finance director to sleep better at night uh, if they can hear that phrase and that term um but honestly it's the healthiest way to go about it you Even if you could do everything you dreamed of day one, you probably don't want to go all the way because that's going to change a little bit as you grow. Um, Healthy things grow. Your church is going to grow. You're going to have to adapt as you go.
1: That's a really good note for that, why it's okay to not have the whole vision at once, because what you want in five years and a year from now might be different than what you envisioned um, before we get to your tech takeaway, I've got one last bonus question on just longevity because it sounds like you toured for a couple of years. you've been at, I think the same church ever since you left the road. It's just rare. It is so rare. So other than calling and if calling is the only it's the top reason, feel free to say again, but like is there anything else you would attribute to what's kept you in church uh, j- just kept you you know on staff at a church and what you would encourage other people you know that are really struggling with that right now?
2: I would say one of the most important things, let me be clear from the beginning, that I continually am failing at, but at least in ministry for me, and when I hire someone, it's a really big point of emphasis when we first start. It's that everyone says their job's hard. Jobs in ministry are hard. It's not easy to have a longer career, uh, especially at one church, because mixing your spiritual life and what you're getting fed with with where you're employed is really hard to navigate. And there are times where everybody probably wants to say, I'm changing. I'm going to go back to touring. I'm going to go do this thing full time. It's just too hard. I think one of the best things that you can do is make sure, and it sounds so simple, forgive me, but it's make sure you are not relying on Sunday morning to feed you all the time spiritually. If you're having to be engaged and I'm my wife makes fun of it, but if I'm at service on a Sunday, I'm I'm working. I'm, I'm I'm actually not there in that specific moment to be fed. And if I don't follow what scripture says and develop eating solid foods, if I can't feed myself or if I can't have devotionals or other outsourced ways of growing spiritually, it's going to grind me up if I try to make sure that I'm just growing on Sunday while I'm I'm half listening to the message and I'm half trying to fix a problem or I'm half trying to be on the phone and call that campus and do that thing. It's being OK with that being your workplace, but also you can't have everything tied up in that. If all of my friends were members of East Lake Church, that would be hard and that would probably not help me to have a longer career. I have to have a more well-rounded approach. And so people that get hired on, it's how are you going to be taking care of yourself? What is your um, community around you that you can walk through difficult things with your boss, with me, with whoever at church or those things that are going to happen? But what is your personal relationship and it's the it's the basics, but it's the most important thing that if I don't have those things in place and there's seasons of feeling like oh I'm further from that or oh, I need to get back to it. You can, everybody knows that feeling. But if you don't have that, especially working for a church, in my experience, the politics, the, the dynamics, all of the awkward tension that comes with working at your church, it's going to probably chew through you pretty quick.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Having community outside of church and knowing that Sunday is not where you're getting fed. We've, we've had actually, I think Adam Taylor essentially said the, a similar thing to that. Um, all right, Andy. So you were uh, recommended to us by Lee Fields. I reached out to him and I said, tell me someone to have on the podcast. And he could have given me 20 names. He gave me one name. He gave me you. He was like, get Andy on. Um, so that's a lot of pressure for your tech takeaway.
0: Did he say call Andy call? Yes.
1: He said call Andy call. Um, and I was like, no, I'll email him cause this is 2022. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so for your tech takeaway, what is something you would give everyone to, uh, improve their services? I mean, you really, that longevity point, I really stole it from you now. I'm kind of getting to, cause that was great.
2: Um, I've been thinking about that and I, I, I appreciate Lee recommending. That's wonderful. I mean, if there's anybody else who's influenced the church more, it's going to be hard to find. So he's crushing it. I would say, yeah, we hit on longevity. We talked about those things. Okay. For me, specifically for production, for people that are doing church production, I think from a big one, don't get so preoccupied and caught up in the label or the latest technology that you're skipping investing in people and building a team. I would think building a team and although we've covered it before, building a team and training people and pouring into people is going to be more vital to your church growth than buying the latest absent panel and having a thousand of them on stage. It's cool, but I think Reaching more people for the kingdom is going to be through those relationships than it is through chasing the next thing. That's always going to happen because they want to sell product. And there's times it's good, but invest in people. Don't get so tied up into knowing every piece of gear out there. It's important. You need to know it, but don't let that be your focus. If you do, it's a never-ending treadmill of technology.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And we've heard a lot of people say the importance of people. But I mean, I think really when you put it to the team aspect, it gives a new layer to me because I'm thinking, would Andy rather have his 14 volunteers or would he have rather have the new system? I bet Andy would rather have his 14 volunteers in an old system than the new system and you've got, you know, three people running it. Three like, Blakes. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> three day one Blakes. Like, no. It's, I mean,
2: let's flip those zip ties and we'll get it right. We'll be all right. <laughs>
1: That's a great callback. Well, Andy, man, we really appreciate uh, you coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug anywhere you want to point people
2: to? I mean, honestly, I I really, as I've been growing up, uh, I won't give away the age, but I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old up there. Um, I am older. I think... I enjoy more helping people to achieve what they're wanting for their spaces and for their rooms, and so I really like what I do at Eastlake. is is wonderful, and it offers me these opportunities. But if there's anybody out there that's wanting, even just a fresh opinion on, am I paying the right amount? Am I stewarding well? Or if it's a design, any of those things, I would love to talk to them. I mean, I, I really enjoy helping people to make good decisions, and if that means you want to find the right integrator. I can help you quickly know who some of the, the great people are and some that you might not want to use and maybe save you some heartache. So uh, if anybody does want to reach out, they can always just send me an email, andrew at visualtrend.io. I do go by Andrew most of the time, but Andy is totally fine. Um, I, if anybody wants to have a conversation, I'd be happy to talk to you. I'd love to be a resource for anybody that's looking for some just good, honest advice. And could you help me lower a genie
0: lift without killing myself?
2: I think we can work on that. I think we should avoid putting the ladder up there, although I've done it at all costs.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. Well, I
1: will, uh, I'll link to your Instagram so people can reach out, man. Um, th- uh, appreciate you coming on.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me come and hang out with you guys. It was uh, It's fun, and I'm, I'm happy to join. Anything I can do, please let me know.
1: Well, don't say that because if you hang around too long, we will hire you and move you to Nashville. Your wife can just stay here. Uh, you can just grab the kids and come on down.
2: Well, you better believe she's already sending me the Zillow links of, Hey, do you see what we can buy if we get rid of our place here? So it's a, it's different.
1: I want to wrap on this. I think I got his age. I did the mental math. 37. I'll be 37 in
2: December, 36. Boom. Winning. So you got it wrong. Well, so (laughs) whatever. So close. Great (laughs) point. Yeah. Okay. That was awesome. Well, thanks for letting me jump in and, uh, and hang out with you i really did i had a good time thanks for letting me come on
1: thanks for hanging out with us we hope to see you back
0: next week for more absurd stories tech takeaways and overall buffoonery here at the church gear studios blake i feel like every tech takeaway is people over gear people over gear people over gear and we sell gear is there something we can do to help the people get our gear uh, there is. Um,
1: after you've invested in those people and you know, you're know you good in that area and you need some gear, use code podcast for 11% off at churchgear.com. It will uh, give you the best discount that there's out there. And if anyone tells you there's a bigger one, reach out to me because they're either lying or they made something else. I'm
0: going to start giving 12% off just don't, to
1: mess with don't you. Don't you dare. I want the podcast listeners to have literally the best discount. So Call po- Toby. Call co- Toby. Nope.
0: 12%. You, you, tell, you,
2: you say you don't want people to call you.